listening to Dice and Slice, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon, and I'm here with uh, Ian and Chad. Hi. Hi there. And we have somebody new this week. Uh, we want to introduce Peter. Peter, welcome. Thanks. Peter is going to be bringing a very uh, interesting take on Pathfinder. He has a lot of experience with Pathfinder 1st Edition, and he has a lot of experience with D&D 5th Edition, uh, both as a GM and as a player. Uh, Peter, do you want to go ahead and share a little bit of your background with gaming, tabletops, video games, whatever? Sure. Um, I noticed from the, the last episode that you guys all had a big video game background. Me, I played video games, but definitely not as much. We had a Windows 3.1 until, uh, I think, 2002. So we'd go over to our friend's house and we played video games. And then my brother and I would try to recreate those games using like G.I. Joe's and paper and dice and that sort of thing. So, <laughs> That's awesome. so, like, yeah. so we basically like, oh, okay, well, you know, this is like, we were limited to the G.I. Joe's and guns and stuff that we had, but like, oh, okay, you hit on a four plus and that sort of thing. And then one day after we, we made a lot of editions of this and one day he comes home from the library and he's like, oh my gosh, they already have this. It's called a role War playing game. No, oh. it's a role playing <laughs> game. Right. They already have, uh, so he brought home the D6 uh, version for the Star Wars role playing game. And he's like, you don't even need action figures to do this anymore. And so like, this is a long time ago. So we start. I started playing the uh, the uh, the Wizards of the Coast Star Wars role playing game. It came out in like 2002 or something like that. And that's when I started with role playing games. And so that was that's. So I've been playing that Lord of the Rings role playing game. I've made a whole bunch of my own because I really enjoy doing that sort of thing. D and D three, uh, Pathfinder, and then Five E a lot. Of really really enjoyed Five E, and then looking forward to to try out uh, Pathfinder 2E here. Um, and then tabletop, or other tabletop games, I'm a big fan of Warhammer 40K. Got a bunch of armies for that. And uh, and of course, some video games on the side. I'd love to have some armies for that, but uh, a little expensive. Well, I've got Necrons <laughs> and Eldar, Harlequins, Dark Eldar, so if you ever want to borrow any of mine to, to play, I'm Let's a see, I don't think I'll ever actually play Warhammer 4K, but I will definitely buy like some of the big figurines just so I can put them together and paint them. Oh, yeah. They look awesome. Then they can be like a Pathfinder D&D miniature. And you right, can find yeah. them, So that'll be perfect. Okay, I'll do it. Like, is, is, that that on a... <laughs> is that work having a machine gun? <laughs> <laughs> oh, sh- don't worry about details. <laughs> Well, Peter, uh, thanks for joining. You're going to be a part of our uh, live play game session here coming up, uh, which we hopefully are going to be starting here within three to four weeks. And uh, we wanted to bring you on board just because your your experience with tabletop games, and we're happy you're here. Thanks. And so, everybody, this is our second episode of our discussion series. And today we're going to talk about uh, some more gameplay features that we didn't get to last time, more uh, newer gameplay features for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. We're going to talk, uh, for our tangent of the week, we're going to talk about uh, system focusing uh, for praising Paizo this week. Uh, I'll leave that one for a surprise. Um, for our local game sessions, we're going to talk about you being possessed, Chad. 
Why would you do this to me? Well, <laughs> it's, it's good times. Look, I know I get possessed out of the game, but it's not something I bring into this. But, oh, you mean, I've got yeah. to. I'm not talking about your, your rolling dice possession. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. And then uh, we're going to answer a fan question. And, um, and that's pretty much it for today. So let's go ahead and get into it. So one of the things that's unique and different with Pathfinder 2nd Edition is how they do uh, the skills. Um, not only do they have different skills than what they had in 1st Edition, um, but they have different skill rankings. So now, I don't know if you guys had had a chance to look at the character sheets. Or Peter, have you seen the character sheet of T-E-M-L? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so train, expert, master, legendary is how they do that. And so you rank up uh, in those skills, and they give you certain numbers based off what rank you are. It really kind of simplifies how uh, proficient you are with these things, mm-hmm. either with these skills, or I think it even goes into weapons for that. Yes, scaling. and armor. And armor. That's yep. It makes it so easy to figure out how exactly badass your character is, or just how like much of a beginner he is. Right. Yeah, it is really elegant. How hard is it? So one thing I didn't see is how hard is it to move those skills up from like train to legendary? There are certain times in your character um, development. So you know in 5e when you have like your character advancement table where it says where you get your new skills and stuff? Pathfinder now has that character advancement table. And you'll see on there, I think they call them skill increases or skill boost. And at that time you can then move up to the next level. But they have, I think you have to be like level three before you can get to expert, and um, I think level five for master and so forth. Oh, that's a good idea, because it kind of keeps the characters a little bit more balanced. So, so you don't have a level one that's rolling over level 20 people or whatever. Yeah. Right. So uh, then another thing we'll get to later is, is skill feats, but having trained uh, expert master legendary skills also allows you to access to new skill feats. So there's some things that you can't do or you can't try to do until you get to a certain rank, um, which kind of makes it hard at the beginning because you don't have a lot of choices of, of the skills, but as you advance up, you almost want to take... Um, expert and above level feats or I'm sorry, expert level skills instead of just um, training one of your untrained skills um, so you have access to more skill feats. Mm -hmm. And they've been playing around with the numbers. What the latest numbers are, if you are untrained in something your proficiency bonus is your level minus four. So, like if you're doing an athletics check and you're level one and you're untrained It'd be level one minus four. So don't you take a negative check. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. So you take a negative three penalty. And then uh, trained is your level. Experts, your level plus one. Um, and then master is plus two. Legendary is plus three. So you don't get a huge increase like master legendary. It's actually less than I thought. But having like the legendary stuff, it gives you access to better skill feats. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of makes up for it. So there's also, one of the other new things are, are downtime activities. And I guess it's not exactly new because there was downtime activities in, in Pathfinder 1. And there are some downtime activities in, in D&D 5e as well. Um, but they have, they basically split the game up into three different modes. They have encounter mode, which is combat. They have exploration mode, which is uh, you guys are exploring, you're doing stuff, you're moving around the map. Uh, you're doing anything not combat, basically. And then they have downtime. 
and downtime, you can actually utilize your days to craft weapons. You can uh, put on a performance and earn money. You can scour the town. So there's lots of interesting things. I feel like it's quite a bit more expanded than what we were experiencing in D&D 5e. But then again, we haven't really had the chance to get to those downtime. That was probably yet. my fault, too. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, did, I was like, hurry, there's danger, keep going. So I really wasn't giving you guys... A lot of downtime. Um, but you were playing Curse of Strahd, you said, right? We were doing Lost Mines. Oh, that's so okay. But yeah. So they were trying to save Roxy. Well, a little bit oh, of okay. Curse of Strahd. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the entire Yeah, with a little bit of Dev House. And, yeah. <laughs> I had a um, treat for in, for in that place. <laughs> but, you know, it, it lets you do a lot of fun things when you go into towns or maybe you're at, like, some uh, campfire resting in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, lets you do a lot of fun things to kind of bond with either your group or maybe go out and learn some information from people in right. town. Uh, maybe make some new items for your group to use. There's Repair a lot your items, things. too. Yes. yes. And it's kind of something that's always been able to be there in a role-playing game. I can never say, like, oh, you can't do this, but it's like it seems like kind of a good DM tool to be able to break it out, like, to say, hey, you're in this mode of the game now, so let your players do this, and it, it kind of seems to help the DM organize the adventure a little bit more. Yeah. I feel like it would help that. I agree. I think mentally as a, as a GM to separate that is, is nice. I don't know that I'd ever be like, okay, everybody, stop. You're in exploration mode now. <laughs> you can't do that because that's encounter mode, you know. Oh, of course, yeah. But, um, but just having, like, the different activities so you kind of understand in your head, okay, now we're going to do some downtime things. What would you guys like to do? Do you want to go explore the city? Do you want to buy items, craft? Um there's even learned spells. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things you can do. So I thought for a playtest rule book, not the, even the whole rule book, they put a decent amount of work into downtime activities, and I bet you they're going to have tons of extra books later down the road expanding upon that. So I'm really excited to to see that as well. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the ancestries. So something that I feel like Pathfinder does so well in, in the original pathfinder did as well is character creation like they just kill it in character creation i always felt like it would i like the choices that i made really mattered where the different races in pathfinder one like felt really different from the other ones if i was a dwarf i felt like like the stats that it gave me the adjustments it gave me made me feel like a dwarf and i mean that goes on to classes too definitely but um and i think they actually do it even better here at 2e where with the uh, the feats, the ancestry feats, the the heritage feats, where like I feel like a like you know pick a dwarf. I feel like a dwarf, but not only do I feel like a general dwarf, I feel like this specific type of dwarf because you can pick a feat that uh like there's there's a each each um, ancestry has a list of different feats that apply to them, and right. and so it's like oh do you want to be like oh I'm an, like I see myself my character like you know as an elf but am I like oh, this old Elf, or my kind of like this old sagely elf, or you know, and you can you can pick a different feat. Yeah, and and that background of, of what type of dwarf you are leads directly into something else that you'd be very familiar with in Five E, which are backgrounds. Yeah, um, the backgrounds I thought was a great addition in Five E to where um, it kind of lets you further personalize your character and bring it to um, exactly what you want, like how you visioned your character. They gave you the 5e did well, giving you the tools to make that character um, between the background, the class, the the race, sub race, and all that sort of thing, subclasses. 
And so the backgrounds, I'm really glad that they carried that over to Pathfinder 2e because, um, because yeah, I thought that was something that 5e did right. Something I really like about the back backgrounds here in Pathfinder, though, is that it also affects your abilities to where you can uh, you can get a, a bonus, a bump up. Um, like, oh, this one gives you a bump up in either charisma or wisdom, and you can you right. can select that. Which the I the cool. boost, the, the ability boost. Yeah, boost. yeah, I that's that was one of my favorite things. So in the in the game, um, they have two different ways to build your character. You can do the new method, which are the, the ability boosts, or you can do the old method of rolling the dice. So you can still roll the dice to get your stats, which is, I think was what we did for our mm-hmm. 5e game. Yes, we did. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then this way, the boost, it kind of keeps everybody on a level playing field, and when you do the boost, you get a plus two in that stat. So you go from 10 to 12, 12 to 14, or so forth. So I do, I do like that. Um, feature yeah like, like for example the the criminal it's like you, you choose two ability boost um can be dexterity or intelligence so it's kind of like you know do you want to do you see yourself being like the, the the suave con man or do you see yourself being like an infiltrator thief type type of criminal so it's it's you, you can further nail down that character that you had envisioned when you were when you were dreaming up dreaming up your character which i think is is really cool yep i agree uh, well, next we can go ahead and talk about the feats. Uh, I don't, if you, I'm sure you guys already know, but there's, off the top of my head, there are six types of feats. Is there that many? There's actually that <laughs> And I bet you there's going to be expansion books for all six of those, <laughs> which is okay. Oh, I can't wait to read them all. Yes. Uh, so, um, as Liz just talked a little bit about uh, ancestries, there's actually ancestry feats for every type of race. There are certain feats that you can add, and these feats will add like special sort of abilities or just things that you can do, but other races can't. Uh, things like maybe increased speed, maybe they could see farther in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's also heritage, uh, and I'm I'm still a little cloudy on the heritage, but as I'm understanding it, for each race there are certain subsects of the race. Like humans have multiple different culture races in there. Heritage, and yeah. Heritage is basically like your main feat that you take when you choose your race. You get a um, you get a heritage feat that goes along with it. Okay. And then from then on, no more heritage feats. It's just ancestry feats. And is the heritage feat how like if you're a human? That's something else that they did differently. Was like half elf and half orc are no longer their own race uh, races or ancestries. Yes, great point to bring out. They're not, which caused a lot of concern for people. They're part of hu- the human race. Then you, but then you add a special half elf or half orc feat from there. That's, and that's a heritage or a that's her- a heritage. That, huh? I think it's an ancestry. <laughs> See, we'll, we'll find out. We, we will, will figure this we'll out as we go. Heritage <laughs> was it a heritage? I think so. Thank you. <laughs> and then what that does, though, is it lets you pick, like, so if you're a human half-elf, you can pick ancestry feeds from elf, half-elf, and mm-hmm. human. And that's kind of... That's right. That allows that extra customization. Because, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian, yeah, I think. Heritage, okay. Which yeah. I should know. I'm a half-elf <laughs> in the game, right? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> details. Yeah, there's uh, a lot. <laughs> and so then there are also general feeds, which is stuff like... Hey, do you are you proficient in heavy armor or light armor? Um, maybe a few in. Hey, do you walk a little bit faster? Uh, then there's skill feats, which specifically 
um, belong to you know your strength, wisdom, intelligence, uh, and then also your like uh, athletic skills, stuff like that. Uh, these these are more interesting because they actually unlock higher tiers as you become more proficient with the skills. So as you become more proficient with the skill, you'll get a new set of feats that you can use if you so choose. Mm -hmm. um, There's only one drawback that I've seen to that, and that's mainly probably as a GM until I learn all those advanced skills, and that's probably because I compare it to 5e. But in, in 5e... If I wanted to pick some pickpocket somebody, I'd probably just do like a, a sleight of hand check versus their uh, their deck save that they're watching, or you know, or, or perception or something. Whereas here, you actually have to take a feat to be able to pickpocket. So it it adds a little bit of gatekeeping, I think. So as a GM, you can be like, oh yeah, you want to do that? That's great, but you didn't select the feat, so you can't type a thing. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. And it's uh, it's it's it is good and bad because it's like everyone likes to be able to do everything, mm -hmm. and so it's bad to where like I feel like even if I'm not good, I should be able to at least you know try. It. But on the right. other hand, it's good because each player gets to bring more to the table. Where hey, this is my thing. I'm the I'm the thief. I'm the pickpocketer, and that makes me feel special as a player. You know, because I can do something that no one else can do. That's true. I do like I do like that. So it's good and you know, good and bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess that'd be true because that would stop somebody from saying, hey, ranger, move over. Me, the sorcerer, I'm going to track this animal. I'm going to do a nature check. And, oh, I got a nat 20. Now I can track him better than you. You know, and here you might have to take a nature or like an animal tracking yeah. feat or something. So ranger just goes home. Yeah, <laughs> ranger's like, I'm done. Throws down the bow and just walks out. So okay, this comes, back, comes right. back to what we talked about last week as well, where it encourages the team play by relying yeah. on each other's strengths. Yeah. It's there yep. seems to be a common theme going on. Right. And I know, Peter, you haven't actually played it. And we've, and uh, Chad and Ian and I, we did play a few sessions of it. And we did feel that just in, like, the tactical side of the combat, and it could just be the class composition we had, but we did feel that there was a lot more teamwork of granting each other buffs, getting somebody flat-footed, um, knocking somebody down, or doing Ian's mighty double flat-footed. Double flat-footed. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't a thing, people. Not it's a not thing. a thing, but we like um, to give crap the feet become smashed. And so actually, and <laughs> in, in, like that tactical aspect is in the teamwork aspect seems really fun if you're a player and like okay, you each got your you got your character and you're just worrying about that character. Um, a little bit of a side thing, real fast, but from like a DM's perspective, it's also a lot more tactical and complex. And if you're like, you know, fighting a horde of monsters, the DM has to handle all that so for That's your true. dm so far how did the fight it was hard it, it, was, it was harder <laughs> yeah um luckily it wasn't um it wasn't a whole bunch of uh monsters i think the most you guys fought was maybe four or so yeah and they all kind of had the same thing so there wasn't a lot of buffing each other up i didn't have like a sorcerer in the back buffing them so uh they were kind of just mindless ghouls and stuff so it wasn't too just bad. Way. So yeah, do you think like in a, like a big fight it would be because I was just thinking, like, so 5e does it pretty well where it's very, very streamlined and elegant in its tactics to where, like, like the last encounter I had in Chris Shaw was, like, nine werewolves and 20 wolves and a night hag and, and against, you know, five characters. And and it was, it was messy, for sure. But, mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, it was simple enough. Like, how would something like that, do you think, go in 2e? Um, I think you would want to prep and know the monsters ahead of time. Yeah. 
the the wolves and stuff aren't bad in this one. The hardest thing that I had trouble with is, and I think we may might have discussed it last week, it was keeping track of just the multi-attack penalty. So I don't know if you got a chance to read that, but so you can strike once on your turn and you do that at your full bonus. And then if you strike again on your turn, you take a negative five. And if you strike a third time, you take a negative 10. So um, it's, it almost, I almost needed to write down that second and third number on the stat block for the monster because it became a lot to kind of go, okay, hold on. It's a net, they're at second attack. So it's a negative five, but they're flanking that guy so his ac is down by two so you know there's just more to more to track on that way i think once you had practice at it it wouldn't be too terrible well and to be fair like on original pathfinder like that's what you'd saw in monsters attack might be plus 15 plus 10 plus 5 so it is kind of that and they actually did oh did they do yeah like like most like a lot of old d20 systems it was every like so once you rear base attack reach plus six you'd get a plus six slash plus one so you'd get a second attack um, and they so it was actually kind of already written into the stat block see and they don't have that on the stat block yet but maybe they'll well but now the other thing is that the three actions wasn't a thing before either so until you got that higher attack you'd only ever be able to make one attack until you got your base attack to plus six and you'd get two attacks and then so on so it's kind of it's kind of already been done it's just being done from a different different way yeah so okay Interesting. So next up is um, is item levels, and um, this is something I really like as as a GM. And Peter, I talked a little bit about you about this the other day. Uh, I feel like we talked a little bit last week too about the gold sinks that the <laughs> players have, and there's not, you know, it's more up to the GM to try to figure out in five E of what you want them to do because the first plus one weapon you get is going to be a magic weapon. In, in 5e whereas here you can actually upgrade your gear so you'll start with like basic gear you can upgrade it to expert level gear master level gear and then legendary gear and by having it at least expert level it unlocks the ability to make it magical by putting these things called runes on and they weren't something that we got to play around with much but i the level you guys were you should have had runes by then uh so i kind of Gimp to you on a little bit of what you were doing, yeah. but um, by taking the by putting a rune like a potency rune onto a sword, you would actually get a plus one to your attack, and you would get another whole dice of damage. So not plus one to damage. So if you did one d eight damage, you would now do two d eight damage. So potency rune adds a whole bunch of damage compared to damage that you would see in a, uh, a 5e magic that, weapon. That might have been helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mean when I threw you against that uh, guy that was three levels higher than all of you and said good luck? Yeah, that probably would have been. But, Wait, which guy? Uh, the mound. The shambling mound. You horrible. Uh, so they didn't sacrifice somebody? <laughs> no, they didn't. They, yeah, yeah, they, they, didn't. they wanted to kill their right, goblin really. friend, but uh, they didn't work. So... You weren't going to kill our goblin. I heard he rolled terribly. If it was up to the ranger, it would have. Hold on. You weren't going to leave it up to the ranger. (laughs) I heard Chad rolled terribly the entire time, so if you had sacrificed him, you would have really lost anything. I missed (laughs) every single attack that battle until the very last round. And I killed it with, like, two attacks. It's like you were saving up and powering up the whole time. So you definitely should have saved (laughs) up. I was not. Yeah, there's Peter. So there's something you should know about this group, and it's... Chad has a hard time rolling. 
Yeah, you should have sacrificed it. <laughs> You're not gonna. I was on. I was not only cursed with dice. I am cursed. I was cursed with something where I had to keep attacking the person that damaged me. Oh yeah. he was possessed, and he had a cursed possessed. weapon, and there was a whole bunch of bad things going on with him. Yeah. Um, but I'm holy. You're not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> So the other type of rune is called a property rune, uh, rune, and they are not uh, stat-based ones, kind of like uh, how how the potency runes are. So they don't add just like a plus one. They add something, some type of property to your weapon. So they might make it uh, flaming, or they might make it uh, return to you after you throw it. So they add kind of a, a fun effect to it. Yeah, I, I could have actually added that effect with one of my Paladin's abilities, mm-hmm. which I talked with you about. We could have added returning to my javelin, huh. which would have basically just been like, hey, I can throw my javelin, javelin infinitely. Yep. Just keep popping right back to my hand as soon as it either hit or missed. Does which it would have missed. Double and damage when it comes back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the boomerang. Yeah. 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 Oh! It turns around and slices him again. You're basically like a holy Thor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's <Yes>. right. <laughs> Isn't Thor already holy? He's a god. Oh, anyway, that's the thing. You know he's not holy. Come on, all the things he does. That's probably true. Um, So speaking of holy, there are different types of spell schools, and one of those is divine magic. Um, What I like how they did the spell schools, I don't know how they did it in... um, uh, Pathfinder First Edition. I assume it's kind of similar similar to this, but there's Divine, Occult, Arcane, and Primal. Oh yeah. So in Pathfinder First Edition, it was more like class based, and then, so they had it all broken down by school, like abjuration, conjuration, right? And those are still all in it. Yeah. But then they had it, it, was, it was like so wizard and sorcerers drew from the same place, and then um, and I believe everyone else had their own spell lists. Okay, that's kind of how they do this here. Like druids have Primal. Uh, wizards do arcane, uh, cleric. I think cleric and pally are both divine. Um, so interesting th- thing with them, this, and our ranger friend had a slight problem with it, but I kind of liked it. Rangers are not spellcasters at all. No, at least in the current rulebook. That's great. They are entirely martial combat classes, which it, it makes sense because. The, the main, I think, nature magic user would probably be a druid. Yes. I, that makes a lot of sense there. But I also kind of want my magic abilities <laughs> for my ranger. Well, I guarantee you they're going to add some type of subset, subclass, or something that gives you that. But by default, they're making the ranger spellless. So can the ranger um, hold up in a fight against a barbarian or a fighter then? Like... I think so. Before I feel like they definitely need the spells to be able to be worthwhile. The offset, right. Right, but like, what did they change to make them able to... You know, they added... The um, they, they have a lot of attacks that let them use one action to do like multiple strikes and stuff like that. Um, they're able to use two-handed weapons really well to parry and increase their AC and do things like that. So they're kind of more... I don't want to say trickery-based because that's more rogue, but... They do have a decent amount of tricks, and they can have a an animal companion um, by spending one. I think it's one class feat. If you choose animal companion, you can get an animal. Is companion. it like five E's animal companion, where they have to give up their turn if they wanted to do anything? <laughs> kind of, but not that bad. It's you spend one action to give your animal companion two actions. 
That's all right. So you can yeah, they yeah, can yeah, then that's, yeah. That's so it's not bad. Yeah. That's bad. So they can move. They can attack. You can also um, give them. They have every animal pet has a move called work together, and that does something special depending on the animal type. So like the bear's thing is, if you strike the guy and the bear's next to him, he will also maul them. <laughs> so th- they did a pretty good job, I think. We haven't actually had any animal companions. Maybe when uh, we kick off our new campaign, we'll uh, get somebody that has one. But from what I've read, at least, it seems like they did a decent job with the animal companions, and they can grow and level up. They start as like a, um, not a baby animal, but a, a younger version, and they can get to mature versions and so forth. It, so I, I like what they did on that. And just a side note, just so that we're not all, not uh, bashing D&D here, which that's never the idea. Uh, yeah, Rangers, we love D&D. Rangers, so uh, the Beast Companions, Animal Companions in there. I have a ranger in another game, and but it was actually useful. It was Once it, you figured out how to use yeah, it. Yeah, which Brandon <laughs> explained to me how I was actually supposed to be using it, and suddenly, oh my god, my snake is killing so many people. Until it died. And it died. But <laughs> it was useful, and uh, I think there is down the road an ability to do something similar like you were talking about, to be able to... Give it an tell it, give it an order, and then it will be able to attack, and you'll also be able to attack. And so it's not so much using your only action in five E. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, or like the one thing I think people did is they had to do a help action a lot, so basically you could get perpetual advantage advantages. <laughs> right. I that's what I would do with my familiar. Yeah, as a wizard. But at the same time, which is the coast? Come on, everybody's complaining about the range, about the animal companion. Come they on. are. That is a known thing. You know to work on that. Get to it, guys. <laughs> fix my ranger. <laughs> Nobody's going to be able to fix your ranger. Gosh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's okay. He knows it. So, um, we're going to go ahead and skip to how they do light and concealment. And this is going to be something that I'm probably not going to spend a lot of time on it because I think they're going to do some massive changes of of the names and how they work. But basically they have kind of like bright light in D&D. It's a concealment table of scene. And um, in that condition, you have bright light. There's no bonuses. There's no penalties. There's nothing. And then if if you, there's like a light mist or a dim light or fog, it goes to concealed. And by concealed, um, you have a f- DC five flat check. So before they can affect you at all, they have to do a DC five check. And if they fail that, they cannot affect you that round. So it's an interesting um, feature. And then it basically becomes concealed two, concealed three, but they have different names: sensed and unseen. And they just kind of scale up with those DC flat checks to. Uh, make it harder to to hit and then other things happen where they if they are unseen they're basically the gm could even pull them off the board because nobody knows where they're at and you actually have to guess where they're at type of thing and then there's good old invisible and uh he actually forces your players to actually use a seek option to kind of it's kind of like the search option in 5e to try to use your active perception to find them and see where they're at so and at what sort of levels do these um, unseen characteristics, do you get any advantages at the different levels for making attacks or anything like that? 
Um, yeah, I think I think what it does when you get to like sensed, which is basically concealed level two, you become flat-footed to them, and they become flat-footed to you. And flat-footed is very basic condition in this one. It just makes their AC drop by two. So it makes it easier to, to hit. Same thing as if you were like going to flank somebody. It makes them flat-footed and you drop their AC by two. We briefly discussed the items earlier and there are lots of important properties to do with those. So on top of the quality, there's also hardness attributed to pretty much anything that you can make. And primarily this applies to shields. Um, so you can have different materials and the most basic of which is generally wood. You can have a wooden shield and the hardness will be three. And then you can go up to steel shields and the hardness will be five. And this basically translates to how much damage that that item is going to block for you. So the which hard I really love. I, right. I always loved the sword and board guys, but I always mm -hmm. felt, you know, in, fi in 5e you have the shield and you get the AC. Yeah. Which is great, but in this one, you don't get the AC unless you use an action to raise your shield. And then, um, but then, so not only do you get the AC from that, but then if you get hit, the damage comes out of the hardness. So you get a little bit more than the AC on top of it. Exactly. Yeah. So you can actually end up blocking a lot of damage. Um, there's a lot of discussions I've seen online as to people discussing the pros and cons of having to use an action and then the fact that based on the damage you take if it's more than the hardness of your item then you take a dent if you take a second dent the item is broken and any more than that then you completely lose the item it's destroyed it's gone so you have to be very careful was there a reason, as I didn't actually get to this section in my reading of the book so far, is there a reason you wouldn't just always, like, oh, it's a battle, put the shield up, like, so you attack more all the time? Attacking more. Yeah, you lose attacks. I, I still have an action. He never used the shield. I was always like, hey, he's going to raise that shield and block. Nope, he's like, I'm going to attack again, and I missed. <laughs> That's because, well, we've only had two sessions with Pathfinder. Right. The last session, I didn't have a chance to attack. So, I never, I... I realized I should have raised my shield the last one, but That's I right. thought I would turn around to instead try to uh, add uh, flanking, my flanking yep. to the zombies for my friend, which helps. Yes, yeah, helps. Kill them. And then I got almost killed. But uh, <laughs> details in the previous session, though, um, it, all the other encounters we had were very easy. I felt like that term, that session, until we got to the boss and. I mean, no offense to you at all, Brandon, here, but you gave us the, all right, guys, if, if you're going to do this, go all out. <laughs> oh, attack all three turns. I see where That's you're saying, That's not what Brandon. I meant. I meant, like, put your big boy pants on, because this is going to be a tough fight. Who guys. was the boss? Uh, Shambling Mound. Oh, okay. Oh, so, so. It was a level, it's a level six creature in Pathfinder, and they were all level three. Yeah, as we discussed so, before, I didn't it think, was tough. Yeah, I didn't think it'd be that it bad. Was really it was tough. tough. Well, as we've discussed before, if you use an attack all three actions, there's a penalty. Like, so for action one, it's fine, no penalty. Action two, there's a minus five to hit penalty. Action three, there is a minus ten to hit penalty. That was very difficult to hit, 
Admittedly, I missed all three <laughs> right. until yeah. the last turn. Right. right. Until my last turn, but man. And the and the guys they see was higher. It was yeah, like right. AC eighteen or nineteen or something. It was so ridiculously it was, high. It was hard to hit for them for some reason. Even though some of them had like plus ten to hit, they'd still miss this guy. Plus six. <laughs> That's right. But uh, but you guys killed it. It was good. Well, should have made that sacrifice. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I tried to make the sacrifice for Strahd. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Oh. <laughs> yeah, just, just to finish up on the item hardness then, as you progress through the levels, you can start crafting with more specialized materials. So you can start getting into silver weapons that do um, different types of damage. You can start... Invest, uh, crafting with adamantine and that's going to be one of the hardest materials in the game and it starts giving you bonuses to breaking other weapons so there's again a huge variety of things you can do with the item types and the materials that you choose and once again i love that because that gives yeah. more that gives more control to the gm to help spend the money oh now you guys are going to go buy some adamantium or silver it's just more opens up more customization uh, it kind of gives that gamey feel of you know getting better equipment leveling up type of thing having something to actually spend the money oh yeah, yeah. Like, right. leveling up is one of the most that's like the most fun thing to do as a player is to level up but you know obviously you can't do that that often you know mm -hmm. but that's a, another way to level get that, that yep. same high <laughs> the same feeling exactly <laughs> same rush I mean if you compare it to Skyrim in a video game uh, you, you'll you'll be spending a lot of money in the very beginning or at least what you think is a lot of money and then once you've hit like 15 or level 15 or so you're not spending hardly any money. It's just sitting in your in your account there, and you're like, "Why do I keep picking up this you gold? Why the house is so it. shiny? <laughs> you bought every single house in the game. Yeah, you've got how much money left? Lots. You gonna buy anything? No. Just well, gonna keep picking it up. And that's why in D and D you buy a beer for everybody in the tavern for the tenth time. You know. <laughs> So now, next we're going to get on to the Tangent of the Week. <laughs> tangent of the Week. So, Peter, the Tangent of the Week is a part where we uh, don't go negative, but we, we go into a, a state of mind where we think, man, what could be better? What What's something that kind of grinds your gear? <laughs> and this is something... That it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me, but I see people post it on online, and it's something you do the opposite of. And I wish I could be more like you, because I have this I have this problem. So sis, system focusing. So there's some people that they pick one system, and they can't ever change. They that's my system. I'm never going to jump. And there's a lot of people that have done that now with 5e. There's a lot of people that are doing it with uh, 3.5. Or even Pathfinder First Edition. There's there's no nothing better than that edition, and I I wish I could have that desire to stay, but I always want to jump to the next best thing. I always want to jump and say, "Ooh, what is it? What's over there?" And you've been very good, Peter. With I think you've only ever stayed besides starting. I think you've pretty much stayed with Five E lately. Since, right? Okay, so yeah, so this tangent week is definitely something that I. Uh, I do that. Um, so, like when he started, yeah, it was it was almost exclusively that Wizard of the Coast Star Wars role playing game, and and then I mean, I would like 
played Lord of the Rings and a few other ones that I would make my own, but once, so I, I stopped playing, I, so I played Pathfinder, just the, the original Pathfinder for a while, and then when 5e came out though, um, yeah, I, I found that and I just stuck to it. I bought like every single book. So you're system focusing I am system focused. <laughs> and, 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 and it's cause, uh, it's cause I'm cheap and I bought all the books. It's like, well, I've invested all this money in 5e. I have to play it or else I wasted money. <laughs> but, um, but 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 yeah on the other hand though the more perspective that you get the more different systems that you play probably improves your game in any other system or worst case scenario it makes you appreciate the system you like even more that's also true so and i and i like that you said that because one of the things i want to make sure that we focus on in this podcast and i think we're going to get to it here in a few episodes is I agree with about spending the, the money, and I've done the same thing. I have every 5e book released. Um, you didn't spend it. Oh, yeah, I didn't spend any money. Uh, shout out to Josh, my buddy at Wizards of the Coast. Um, Scoundrel. Yeah, but I there are ways that we can utilize the content from 5e and play them in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. And so one of my goals is going to be able to show people how to do the conversions. So when we talk about that, I'm going to showcase how I did the conversions from 5e to Pathfinder 2nd Edition and how we can utilize the adventures we have um, so they don't have to sit there on your shelf and you can continue to use them because I know lots of people have the 5e content. And I want to show that there's ways that we can make that used. So I'm going to release um, after our podcast some uh, companion documents that show here's how I took this section in the 5e book and how I converted them over into the Pathfinder 2nd edition. So I hope that helps people um, being able to use that content that you've already purchased. Um, that's actually, uh, that'd be really helpful because I think something most people can agree on is that the 5e uh, D and D did really good with their modules for five B. Like everyone seems to really like their modules, and right. so being able to convert those over to to Pathfinder School because that's that diversity is helpful because the games kind of a, appeal to different people. You know, they they have different strengths and weaknesses, and so maybe you really like how Pathfinder plays, but you hey, really love that D and D. You really want to play Curse right. of Strahd, you know, and and so if you can if you can switch it over to Pathfinder, you can play the module you want with the rules that you want. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, and rant. Now let's get on to some more positive things. The praise Paizo part of our podcast. Yo, it's time to get your praise in. So this is where we like to uh, thank Paizo for releasing Pathfinder and not just releasing Pathfinder, but for doing everything else that they do. And so for this week, I want to talk about how they branch out. I like that they have kind of the guts to branch out into different directions. Um, Starfinder was a huge thing for them to do this week. And I, I know not really probably any of you have had experience. I did a Starfinder campaign last week, um, and it is a lot more than Pathfinder in space. They basically took their their core thing of Pathfinder and figured out a way to make a space version that was unique in its own and so I've really liked that they have the ability to do that. Um, they also have a card game. It's the Adventure Card Game Pathfinder, which I've now bought probably too much into, and I've only played once with you, Ian. I'm curious, actually. I've seen that. Like, I'll have to have you guys over to play it. It's fun. It's fun. I liked it. Ian and I crushed the very first one, which was supposed to be like the hardest one ever. So either we were cheating or we did really well. Oh, is it cooperative? 
Yeah, it's oh, so like, work together. Like a yep. party. Oh, and you cool. see, I didn't know about that there was actual physical card game before, but before I knew what Pathfinder was, I actually downloaded uh, an, a Pathfinder game app, which is basically yeah. this card it's game. Card game. I, yes. I had no idea what the, this was a thing. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I had that app on my phone for probably six months, mm. and I could never beat the tutorial. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. There's too many terms. I bought the card game, actually read the manual, and then I crushed that app. I destroyed it. I'm like, I get it now. I was doing all these things wrong, and this is actually a lot of fun. So, once again, praise Paizo. I know uh, Wizards of the Coast has done the same thing. They have their Dragonfire uh, board game, which is out, which I really want to get to. Um, but good job with the, the Pathfinder Adventure card game. If you haven't tried it, I really recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Um, secondly, they've kind of fallen back from uh, Wizards of the Coast on this, but they've branched out into video games. One of their most popular adventure modules, uh, their adventure paths with Pathfinder, was one called Kingmaker. And they have recently released a full-blown video game called Kingmaker. I have it. It's a lot of fun. It, and it's been getting a lot of praise online. Please show me this game. It's, it's <laughs> really cool. this in my life. It's really cool. It's on Steam. So, um, for I think another studio did it. I don't know exactly how that, all that works, so I won't go into it. But uh, good for them for once again branching out and getting more content out there and spreading. It's I think it's the first video game that's set in Galarian, the Pathfinder world. So, huh. spread the spread the lore, Paizo. Good job. All right. So fun incidents from local games. So we don't have to spend too long on this because I know we talked about you being possessed and Ian bowling you around last week. But, <laughs> that was fun. That was a good time. <laughs> so Peter, you know, in Death House, they have two ghosts that have a potential chance to spoilers for anyone playing Curse of Strahd. Thank you. Sorry about that. And just for clarification, this was a D and D play module, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. we converted it over to we play the there. Yeah. So yeah. After spoiler warning, yeah, Rose and Thorn, the the two, Rosalind and Thornbolt. Yep. So he got possessed by Thorn, I believe, and became a little scaredy cat. Big scaredy cat. And I'm I don't think anybody noticed. Big jerk. That not jerk. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the big tough guy that walks out in front of the group to guard everybody, but instead I kind of stuck to the back and cried. <laughs> You did a really good job role playing that. Thank you. I'm not it's, sure anybody else even knew you. I'm definitely not practiced at crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like, were those real tears? Man. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't um, have to reach back out very far. Actually, uh, that's something that as the as a DM, so possession obviously can come up pretty easily if you're fighting, you know, something for the Nine Hells or Demon Lord or, 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 or ghosts. So, you know, that's something that can come up. So what do you think? Is like a demon, a player, and that sort of thing is, is being possessed because you kind of take away the player's ability to play their player, their character that they made, but you're also giving them the opportunity to, to, to do something new and interesting. Uh, what did you guys did you like? I enjoyed playing. Weird question. Did you like being possessed? Would you do it again? <laughs> <laughs> would you do it again, Chad? I enjoyed playing many characters. Like, I already so I guess that is something I'm looking forward to. You seem to have while. fun. You seem to have um, fun with it. So I really didn't mind it at all. I, I enjoyed 
doing something a little different and making my guy look kind of crazy. So uh, I tried I tried to balance it a little bit more so he didn't lose complete control. He could still kind of do what he wanted to an extent, and then he had to roll uh, past a certain number to be able to act uh, normally. I rolled well for that most of the time. Yeah, you did. So you did. that was incredible. We, the rest of our group got to kind of... I must say, I quite enjoyed bullying you guys around <laughs> at the time. When you weren't going in the direction that was really where we wanted to go. So, yeah. So, yeah. so that did kind of shake Actually, up the dynamics of the group a little did, bit. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. And it wasn't that long. You weren't possessed for very long. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to tell me one of these days what the ghosts were actually trying to lead me to. Nope, never. Yes, never yeah. Yeah. You don't tell me. That's the right. You don't tell the secret thing. Just So, when I played it, though, the, the character that would have gotten, the player that would have gotten possessed was, like, I knew, I read as a DM, like, I know this person would not want to lose the creative control, so basically, like, the spirit just said, hey, can we live in you, basically, until you can so they come do that there. thing that you guys aren't going to know about. And then, uh, and so, I didn't, I didn't have I didn't give them the flaws basically when okay. they had it, but I was just wondering from player perspectives what you guys thought of being. We possessed. pushed the button and they got freaked out and jumped in us. <laughs> the, the dollhouse. Oh, the dollhouse. The switch, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I I pushed the button. Yeah, it was fun though. Yeah, yeah, it it changed up the system having to sort of get through the same problems with two people, kind of hamstrung the group a bit. <laughs> yeah, two down, two creative thinking. It which, was good. Which it was actually kind of interesting. It kind of flipped the two personalities for us both because usually the ranger who got possessed with the bossy spirit he's usually more towards the back tries to stay away from the fighting and just shoot from afar he was kind of running out in front yeah. saying follow me do this and I'm paladin who gets right up in people's faces and instead I'm crying in the back a party doesn't know if we're until the paladin starts crying right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think our monk was like I don't know what's going on and why yeah. I'm out in front fighting these five things by myself but Brandon how did you handle it did you give him like a card or something that says oh by the way you're scared now I did, did you, yeah I, okay, I, I, I printed out a little card saying like hey, you're possessed by him or you're possessed by her those are your traits have fun oh that's cool yeah. yeah and then we ended up having to stop and come back so they had a, a week to kind of prep with it but um, I didn't know prep <laughs> but you still did great. I Shot mean, I had to practice a lot of crying. That's, <laughs> that's not natural for me. We need to talk after this. <laughs> like somebody watch it. It's okay, bud. We love you. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that new that new live thing. I can't watch Simba's dad die again. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, they showed a picture of the cute little like animated, like the CG line of... I'm like, man, am I gonna have to watch this guy yeah. ask his dad to get up? <laughs> yeah, okay. I can't do it again. In HD. I, yeah, in HD. That's I right. I refused to watch it because apparently they took out Scar's big number. The he had a musical number. Prepared. So when I was little, I wasn't allowed to watch that. So it's really? not even that important to me anymore. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> so anyway, back to Pathfinder. Uh, <laughs> we'll no, have a no, totally tangent time. Or, no, it's not. No, it's not tangent time. time. Gosh it, darn it. Yeah, sorry. We will have a total uh, section on Lion King. When all right, guys. Out. <laughs> on the next episode, <laughs> we are talking Lion King. All Lion King all the time. So, okay, so next up, fan questions, guys. We actually have a fan now, and what? we actually have a question. So, Great. congratulations. <laughs> fan questions. So, the question was, uh, what are the difference between monster levels and or CR ratings? So, CR rating was something that was in Pathfinder 1st Edition, and... 
Is it still in 5e2? Is that what they refer to, like, the monster level? Is yeah, it CR? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought so. Yeah. yeah. So the chat, yeah. So I know that's the case with the animal companions. I haven't really looked that far into the monsters. Right. Yeah. So basically, it's CR still. is challenge rating. It's basically like a level of uh, the challenge that you face. So the question was, how do you determine the CR rating of an encounter? Um, and that is, you use the monster level. So in the bestiary for the Pathfinder 2nd Edition, uh, there is a level next to each creature, and you won't find CR anymore. Hmm. You base off the encounter based off the level of the enemy. And so um, basically how you set up an encounter is you pick a creature, you determine what their level is compared to your party's level, and then that determines how many points that's worth. And once you get to a certain point value, it determines if it's a low, medium, or hard, or severe encounter. And that's it. So You always seem to pick the severe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. I think, yeah, you fought a Shambling Mad, which was actually, I think, it was, a, I think it was actually a step above severe. I, so. yeah, I think you were actually literally saying severe, the word severe in the battle. Like, yeah, I was I, trying to hit you guys. This is a severe fight. Yeah, you guys should be running. Oh, wait, you're trapped in this room. Sorry. Yeah, you're trapped in the house. Sorry, you can't get out. We hadn't heard this question to know what that meant. So. Yep. <laughs> Now you guys know. Now we, so, know. Right now we know. We should. Like, oh, yeah. That's probably not a big right. deal. <laughs> so thank you, Fan, for, for telling them my secrets of how I kill them. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's that's monster levels and no more CR. That's pretty much it for this week. We talked about a lot of the new uh, features of Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Some of the fe- features that maybe weren't new in 5e but have come over to Pathfinder, like the backgrounds and so forth. Um, we also had some uh, interesting local game stories. We did some praising of the Paizo for branching out. Lion King. We talked about. Oh, let me make a note of that. We there talked we about go. Lion King. Yes, yes, this is Lion King episode. Uh, so preview for next week. So next week we are going to get into. Oh, hold on. We are going to get the jump on the new initiative system. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, uh, We've got to fire our right. Uh, we're gonna take that out. Sorry about that, yes, buddy. <laughs> so we're talking about the, the new initiative system with Pathfinder Second Edition, and uh, speaking of Lion King and all these pop culture awesome things, we are going to potentially have some random special episodes. They'll be marked as special episodes. So if you're a Pathfinder fan and you don't want to hear us talk about it then you don't have to. But there will be some special episodes where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, board games, other tabletops, maybe Starfinder, Shadowrun, maybe even Lion King. But those will be one-off as we have promise, time. sir. I will almost promise, promise you we will have a Lion King episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like always, contact us on social media. We are active on Facebook at slash Dyson Slice Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at at Dice and Slice 1, or you can email us at Dice and Slice Podcast at gmail.com. And like always, thank you to Paizo for making Pathfinder and for publishing the rules free online from my wife. Thank you, Paizo. <laughs> and thank you, Ben Sound, for the royalty free music. Thank you, Wizards of the Coast, for making DD in the first place. We appreciate everything you've done, and we continue to be fans. 
Uh, and then speaking of fans, thank you to the new fans that we have after the first episode. Uh, we've been remarkably stunned by the support that we've received and we will continue to try to do our best to live up to the hype that you guys provided after episode one. So thank you everybody. Thanks a lot Thanks everybody. everybody. <laughs>